Ryan Aber. I mentioned uh, Ryan OSU opening, and Patty Gasso and her ladies are really close to opening as well. That's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Going down to uh, Puerto Vallarta, hopefully the uh, weather there will be a little bit better than it's been out in California for uh, Kid Gajewski's squad. But, uh, yeah, the Sooners are, are loaded up once again with those that five uh, core seniors who've been there the entire time, and then Elisa Brito has been there for seemingly her entire time. Uh, they've got a, a they're going to be challenged down there the opening weekend though with uh, games against Duke and Washington, uh, two uh, you know top eleven teams uh, right out of the bat. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they react, especially how that pitching staff looks with uh, like you mentioned Kelly Maxwell being added to it Mm -hmm. what i see one of your stories is about three storylines for ou softball so are the i mean is is that part of it tell me what your storylines are yeah i think the biggest storylines are uh one uh, the opening of love field which is going to happen in march 1st and they're moving to their their new home uh there that's certainly going to be something big to watch over the course of the year how uh, the crowds are there how it affects uh, the atmosphere there with uh, you know a capacity of 4,200, much bigger than uh, Marita Hines Field, and then uh, the the pressure that this team is uh, sort of constantly under, but especially this year coming in with that 53 game winning streak, coming in with the back to back to back national titles, looking to do it for a fourth time. And uh, Patty Gasso says that they've embraced that challenge, but have to continue to make it. Uh, about more than results, that it has to be about uh, fine-tuning their own performance uh, to to be ready in those moments in Oklahoma City at the end of the year. And then uh, finally, uh, those seniors and uh, the group of uh, Riley Boone, Jada Coleman, Kenzie Hansen, Tiare Jennings, Nicole Bay, uh, and then, like I said, uh, Alyssa Brito is sort of the honorary member of that group, uh, given that she played her uh, freshman year elsewhere. But uh, Patty Gasso said this is sort of like a changing of the guard because of uh, how critical that class has been to uh, their success over the next few years. And there'll be a sort of a transition of power after this year, moving on to uh, some of the younger players. She really likes the the freshmen, but uh, this class has been something uh, a little bit different. She said that this might be the most special elite class that – has ever played uh, college softball. Yeah, it's I absolutely believe in that and I've seen some of her comments and you know she's become the Barry Switzer, you know, in the 70s and early <laughs> 80s and it's not, you know, it's not re-recruit, it's reload. And then I saw something saying that she thinks it might be her best group overall. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think you just look at the the uh overall scope of what they've done, what uh you know, obviously what Tiara Jennings has done with uh, have a chance to be the the second leading home run hitter uh, in not only OU history, but uh, NCAA history, uh, depending on what she does this year. What Jada Coleman has done with uh, the, the catches, the, the defensive prowess that she has, and obviously getting them started at the top of the order. What Kenzie Hansen brings to the fire behind the plate, the uh, 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 propensity for big moments. You think about that uh, three-run home run she hit in the Super Regional against Clemson. What Nicole May, just sort of her steady, steady progression to uh, 
becoming really a star uh, last year with a sub one ERA uh, there and just uh, a steadying influence on the team as a whole. And then uh, Riley Boone with a combination of really all of those things, uh, you know, seems to make uh, big plays at the right time, seems to come up with uh, really big hits, and then also is an, an emotional leader on this team. So I think you combine all of that, and, and that's what uh, has made this class so so special to have this core group of five to, to hang around uh, their entire careers. Of course, they were starting pretty well from uh, day one. That helped, but uh, you know, certainly uh, not many classes have been able to do, if any, have been able to do what this one has uh, in totality. Yeah, it's been unreal. You know, one more question about that before we leave. We're talking to Ryan Aber, our OU insider from the Daily Oklahoman. Bryce Hall has a question for him again in a minute as well, but. You know, there are times, too, and we've seen it in football and places like that, where you get too many great players on your team and the old, there's not enough balls to go around. She seems to manage that better. And as much as people want to come here because of their success, there might be those who don't want to come here because of playing time. How does she manage that, Ryan? Well, I think it's certainly something that she addresses in recruiting uh, to to make sure that uh, players are looking for what, what she's looking for and that the pieces fit. But I think there are a lot of people also who have been willing to sacrifice. I mean, heck, you look at the, you know, the the transfers that they brought in this year. Kelly Maxwell and, and Carly Keeney both were aces at their their former places, and Maxwell uh, not as much because uh, they they had a, a staff there, obviously with Lexi Kilfoyle and others that they they were able to to split the load up a little bit. But Carly Keeney carried the load last year for Liberty. Uh, in the circle, and uh, she was willing to uh, give up that role to uh, be part of the staff that uh, OU has, where they'll use Patty Gasso says they're going to go six deep with the pitching. We'll see if that actually holds off, holds up, but uh, certainly going to go at least four, and uh, you know she's willing to sacrifice those innings and, and those stats to uh, be a part of a team that's got a chance to win a championship. So I think it really starts with Patty Gasso and, and Jen Roach and, and uh, JT Gasso, of course, setting the tone recruiting-wise, but then also finding the right players that are, are willing to uh, you know, take a back seat at times and uh, not have the ego that uh, a lot of players have. Yeah, yeah, and, and once you do it, you get rewarded with a nice ring and and a new place to play uh, as well. Yeah. So uh, or, or multiple rings. For yeah, a lot of these yeah. <laughs> they could be the first team to win four in a row, and that's pretty doggone stunning. Yeah, it really is. All right, we are talking to Ryan Abero, you inside of the Daily Oklahoma at seven forty four. I'm Rick Corey. Bryce Hollis wants to talk about that big, bigger round of ball. Yeah, Ryan, uh, Bedlam basketball coming up Saturday. It's one of uh, two guaranteed matchups, the last two matchups uh, for OU and OSU, at least in the Big 12. It seems like we know that, like basketball and some other sports, those are more likely than football to possibly keep going in the future. I, I just wanted to know that as this rivalry stands in your mind, uh, what, what would you prefer in the future to see? Do you do you think that there could be um, some home-and-homes maybe in the non-conference, maybe playing at, in Oklahoma City or in Tulsa? What is your opinion on what you should think this rivalry should become uh, after the Big 12 uh, separates? Yeah, I think the best thing to do with it is what uh, you know we saw with Bedlam baseball for a long time and to, to rotate it 
between Oklahoma City and Tulsa and play at the, the BOK Center, play at uh, the Paycom Center, and you know make it a, a bigger event again. And I, I think you know certainly there's benefits to playing on campus, but uh, in college basketball, so much of the non-conference marquee games are played uh, elsewhere. And I think this would be a big opportunity to get basketball on a little bit bigger stage, especially early in the season and the non-conference portion to uh, do that. But whatever form it takes, I really hope that they're able to figure out a way to continue this. I think in, in football, certainly it's going to be really hard to uh, continue Bedlam and, and pick that back up at any point. Although I think at some point they'll reconnect, but uh you know, in basketball and other sports, I think it it makes complete sense to uh, not have uh, any any break in that action. And I really hope they're able to uh, get a partnership done where they can get this thing uh, able to continue because Bedlam basketball has been special for a long, long time. We've seen so many great matchups, so many great players face off in, in that game. And it'd be a shame to have these two be the last ones. So, Hoping that that'll happen, and uh, I think for me the ideal way is to play uh, rotate between Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Ryan Haber, Daily Oklahoma with. Whoops, pardon me, I turned off my own mic. <laughs> Here on the Blitz eleven seventy. All right, National Signing Day yesterday. Uh, you know, really the bigger schools around the country had kind of wrapped everything up. Tulsa had had three yesterday. Do you get anything out of Norman or any movement of all of any kind? Yeah, no, no movement at all for the Sooners. They're uh, looking toward uh, the 2025 class and, and trying to make some inroads there, which they have. And uh, it, you know, they they uh, really sort of closed out their recruiting class with the uh, big transfer from from Washington uh, that they got last week. So. Um, mainly looking toward the future for the Sooners recruiting wise. Yeah, it, it, that day has become like it has. I mean, people get everything else done early on, then transfer portals and all those kinds of things. Um, I, I know we, you know, Oklahoma's losing a special teams coordinator. I did I see a note that they've already hired somebody, already have somebody in mind. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I've been sort of tied up with uh, several other things, so I haven't had a chance to check on that. Who they're uh, replacing Jay Nunez at, but they. You know, really liked what he was able to do. I know that some people maybe uh, grumbled that they weren't able to uh, have a big, a bigger impact on special teams. But you look at things like uh, you know the block punts that they have from Peyton Bowen and, and things like that. And certainly, he uh, made his mark. It'll be interesting to see how they handle those duties, though. With uh, you know Jay Nunez being an off-the-field coach, wasn't a guy who could coach on game days, so they had to sort of divide those duties around on game days. But it seems like that's sort of the trend that's uh, happening mm-hmm. around football to do uh, do things like that. Yeah, I do wonder though. You know, coaches like to tell you it's a third of the game, but nobody—and I mean almost nobody—pays a third of the time attention to it really in practice or anywhere else. And then you have situations like this. Yeah, we got a special teams guy, but he can't be out there on game day, and everybody has to divide it up. Now there have been times over Eleventh and Harvard where there wasn't even a special teams guy; just everybody. There was a guy who they called their special teams coach, but he was a full-time coach somewhere else. How does Brent handle that? Has he put a lot of emphasis on it? Yeah, I think certainly he he puts a pretty good amount of emphasis on it. I think that shows by what they did with Jay Nunez and having him be able to to solely focus on that and uh, you know that be his his primary duties. Now, it, it, there's some challenges there with, like I mentioned, the fact that he couldn't coach uh, on game days uh, down there. But 
you, they, you know, it's a little bit easier to split it up on game days than it is to split it up and, and really uh, put a, a, an emphasis on it uh, the, the other six days of the week. So, uh, yeah, Brent Venables puts a heavy emphasis on it. I think it's sort of been downplayed maybe in the, the past uh, decade or so at OU just because of how powerful their offense is. They haven't had to worry about uh, returns as much, but uh, you know certainly has gotten a little bit more important under the Brent Venable in the Brent Venables era. And uh, you know I, I think this is going to be an important uh, hire for him and, and role to fill with Jay Nunez uh, moving on to Alabama. Yeah, it's it. I like it when I see people pay attention to it. I do understand that it really can't be a thirty-year practice. I I never really thought it should be, but I do believe it is awfully important. We've seen too many teams lose important games that way, and that's just uh, uh, that's not going to work. Uh, Seven fifty on the Blitz eleven seventy. Closing moments here with Ryan Neighbor, our OU insider from the Daily Oklahoma. So you said you're working on a lot of of, of basketball, and I want to get a little more into Porter's team. You know, lost at Central Florida, but hey, they beat Kansas. And they've been very good. And then, you know, you get a win, then you get a loss, you get a win. You have the Texas Tech loss. I don't want to say they're up and down because this is a very difficult league, but how do you assess how they're playing? And, you know, Porter seems to still be out there every moment kind of fixing problems, if you will. Yeah, I, I think certainly uh, Tuesday was an encouraging sign and then that they were able to uh, pull away from BYU. BYU is a team that uh, has been, been really strong, especially – on the interior there with what uh, Treor has become over these last uh, few games that he was expected to become over uh, the, the season, but he'd been banged up uh, early. And I think the biggest thing for OU right now is they really need to get uh, Otega away going. And I think if they can do that, especially with what uh, you know, Javion McCollum and, and Milo Suzanne did the other day, Jalen Moore's become much more steady. I think if they could get Otega away going, Again, that uh, you know they've got a chance to string some wins together here. They've got a uh, a bit of a tough stretch uh, coming up with Baylor, and Kansas, and Iowa State and Houston, all in a uh, five game span with uh, a Bedlam game in Stillwater thrown in the middle of that, which is never easy, even if Oklahoma State is down. So uh, uh, really important, I think, Saturday for them to to get off on a positive foot, foot but also to uh, you know. Keep some build some momentum uh, that they haven't been able to build uh, thus far in, in Big 12 play because uh, they're going to they're going to need it uh, to to give themselves uh, some some runway for what they're about to face. Yeah, no question. So, is it softball and basketball in the next few days for you working for the Oklahoman? Yeah, those are the the main focuses. Some women's gymnastics too, with uh, gymnastics uh, yeah. hosting uh, what is it uh, BYU in a Big 12 uh, matchup, and then Utah State as well. Uh, but uh, also got to give a shout-out to uh, our newest OU writer at the Oklahoma, Colton Sully, who's uh, going to be helping me out on the OU beat. Uh, he's actually got a really good story coming up uh, in the next day or two, uh, talking to uh, some OU folk, folks about Toby Keith and what he meant to that program uh, you know, really interesting background story on John Cooper and how Toby Keith uh, helped him out. Talked to Lon Kruger, Kellen Sampson, mm-hmm. uh, Matt McMillan, and some others uh, about uh, what Toby Keith has done for them and his importance 
uh, and his legacy within the OU athletic program. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. That's the final thing we'll do. Is you know, I saw Porter, you know, had done that, raised a glass, and then Patty had said something. Bob Stoops, and of course, everybody up there had sent a message of some kind, be it social media or another. But I think at home, it, aren't they going to serve all the um, drinks and Red Solo cups this coming up next home game? Yeah, Bedlam, uh, Bedlam on Saturday. All mm-hmm. everything will be in Red Solo cups, and it's. Uh, um, you know, appropriate certainly to have that with what Toby Keith meant to OU. I know he was around all of the time there and, uh, you know, made time to uh, get to know the athletes and, and really connect with, uh, you know, not only the athletes, but the coaches and, and things like that. And uh, it's it's going to be different without him around for sure. You know, I think uh, think about the that softball celebration last year. Uh, at at Toby Keith in Bricktown, uh, where uh, you know they got up there and sang, he got up there and sang, uh, "How do you like me now?" with the team, <laughs> really a special moment. So, um, you know, just a, a tough week for for those around uh, OU athletics, but uh, they're definitely doing some things to uh, honor him uh, here coming up. Yeah, I can understand. Ryan, always a good visit. Thank you very much. Uh, if you're out there looking for Ryan, find him at the daily Oklahoma covering OU sports overall. Thanks, my buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Have a great one.